the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Happy Moon Day to you. If that's possible. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, again, new dollar, new week, kind of let's look back at how things played out. Let's look forward to this week. Let's look forward to where we are in the year. It's all about perspective, in my opinion. I think it's uh, important that you don't get caught up in the day-to-day. Um, some pretty good headlines over the weekend. Apparently, Donald Trump was watching the Saturday Night Live replay on Saturday. He got really upset that he was being made fun of. And that's what you, it was. You got upset, and then you started tweeting that you're thinking about regulating uh, Saturday Night Live. And I was like, whoa, it's going to be one of the who's fun ones, right? And then there was some backlash against General Motors in the tweets because they're shutting down a factory, trying to focus on profitability of SUVs versus kind of like keeping the brand alive, sedans. I don't know. Are SUVs that much more popular than sedans? Not a car guy. Not a car guy. Uh, Boeing. I can tell you how many cars I like being sold per year. About 17 million is a good number in the U.S. Boeing is uh, in the news yet again. The, the press is not going well on this so far. There's too many similar, some similarities. I'm Dan Rather. There's too many similarities in the two accidents that ultimately have grounded 737 MAX. And in the process, it appears that they were trying to call in a favor to the President Trump. And say, hey, keep the plane in the air. And uh, it's just not good right now. It's just bad press for Boeing. The Department of Transportation Investigation has been triggered. So Boeing's kind of weighing on the markets negatively. But then again, you could, on the other hand, you could say Apple's doing its part. Boeing, Boeing is a little bit heavier of a component waiting. But um, other big stories that we look around at, still no resolution on this whole Brexit thing. I think one of these days we're just going to wake up and it's going to be over. It's going to be like a bad uh, season of, of, of your favorite television show, like a Magnum P.I. or something. Just You're like, that was rough. But at least they killed off the, the bad idea, right? Brexit's just not, it's just not ending. There's a trade deal summit between President Trump and President Xi not happening now, probably until June. And when you get political pride, na- national pride involved in uh, your, your trade deals. Ooh, it can, it can drag on. So Japan reported its third consecutive year-over-year decline in exports. That's not quite a bueno. No bueno. That's bad. Bad, 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 bad. Uh, but for some reason, with all this negative out there, Chinese stock market went higher. And the U.S. stock market looks like it's poised to go higher if it can hold its gains. So OPEC, part of the whole big market picture, right? They canceled their April meeting. Just saying, eh, let's just keep things where they are now. See where we are when sanctions on Iran and Venezuela and inventory levels play themselves out elsewhere in the news. A lot of financials, a lot of banks um, are, are kind of trying to get some traction. They've been fits and starts, fits and starts. 
I've always liked banks as a, a concept investment because banks are, well, they're banks, right? They don't take any more risk than they have to. So there's some mergers and acquisitions to always look at at banks when they basically, if their stock isn't doing what they want them to do, you know, a nice 8% gainer would be nice. Not saying anything, but it would be nice. So if the stock's not doing what the companies want it to, sometimes uh, they'll say, hey, let's take a look at each other and maybe I'll, I'll buy you. So there's some of that going on out there. Deutsche Bank confirmed it's in talks with Commerce Bank. Deutsche Bank, oh my, 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 my. They've run into some problems. And some of it is like money laundering. That's no good when you're a bank. So sometimes what you do is you put on your best lipstick and you curl up your hair and you go put yourself up for sale. Or you see if you can't distract a potential lawsuit by saying, oh, we uh, sold our company, so we're no, no longer responsible. But there's also some other mergers and acquisitions out there other than these two. Deutsche Bank confirmed it's talking with the Commerce Bank. And, and, and for the record, in theory, you don't really want that to happen because of competition. It depends on where you are in your world of capitalism, competition, socialism aspect. But two banks will get the together and become one bank and then suddenly your options on loans and options on business funding are the big one especially if they're handling all the money they tend to get discount rates on it right el dorado resorts and caesar's entertainment are considered a merger i haven't looked at the casino stocks in recent times in the last 15 years and i really say 15 to 10 years ago or 15, five years ago, is when a lot of the international gaming stocks, with a lot of the casino stocks, kind of went that international feel. I went with Macau, 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 Macau. And at one point in time, you were valuing these companies on Vegas, 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 Vegas. And then suddenly you're valuing them on something a little bit different. Um, and some analysts had some lumpiness. And I, I think some of the companies, when they, when they went into Macau, China, and there's a lot of cliches that, that, that market themselves to stories like this about how Chinese, the Chinese like to gamble. Um, yeah, there's some truth to that statistically. So opening up casinos in Macau made a lot of sense when China started saying, hey, look at us. We are an international. We even gamble. Right? That's how developed we are as a, as a world. Uh, so there's some mergers and acquisitions in that, that world. And again, you would have thought it would have been better. So um, there's one thing that you know, we're going to be focusing on a little bit over the next three to six months is, is the Federal Reserve. It's almost, they've almost said, we're not going to do anything. We're just going to sit back and, and watch. And like, I'm like, really? That would be nice. I mean, again, if you're trying to game a market that's going higher, sure. There's some problems that would come with it, too, by keeping rates low and not high or moving them higher in, in theory. I, I don't know. Do you think there's real estate inflation? Do you think inflation in home prices and rental prices have gone up too much? Uh, if, you, if you don't own or if you don't rent or if you don't own, you rent. And do you think they so one of the things the Fed's supposed to fight is inflation. So could they raise interest rates to the point where it, it causes rents to come down? Probably. If you slow down the economy enough. Oh, boy. There's a lot going on with that statement. Hey, big seminar this week in Burlingame, Thursday evening, 6.30 to 8.30. It's going to be about income and retirement. You can sign up by going to Rob Black's show. That's Rob Black's show. Use code RADIO25. It's this 
Thursday in Burlingame. More information at robblackshow.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing in more. Facebook seems to be in the news a lot in the last, I want to say, six to eight weeks as far as management shakeup goes. I feel like I've done this story a bit often. Facebook, one of the big, grander themes has been under pressure from Congress and other countries. They've been under pressure for you know not being very forthcoming what information has been shared or how it's been shared or how people profit off it or how people don't profit off of it. How much of it's disclosed, how much of it's not disclosed, right? So now they're saying we're going to pivot towards privacy because we see regulatory risk out there is probably what they're telling us, right? There was, it was a bad week for Facebook last week when there was a mass shooting worldwide and it got streamed on Facebook. It's not the kind of publicity you want because they weren't able to control it. People don't want to log in and see that and Facebook couldn't turn it off in a way because it became viral. So Facebook is lower and struggling right now as some analysts are taking a look at them and saying, pivoting towards privacy. They've seen some executives who maybe they're, they're, they're getting beaten up in, in conferences. Maybe they're getting beaten up by in meetings, right? Chief product officer Chris Cox, Instagram co-founders Kevin Sistrom, Mike Krieger, all have left in recent months. Um, Alex Stamos, their chief security officer, gone. So Facebook got criticism last week. And again, it, it just it seems to be like nonstop, right? An alleged white supremacist terrorist in New Zealand live streamed his attack. Um, Google's YouTube and Twitter also struggled to remove the disturbing content. So it's not just them, right? But some analysts are starting to say there's some regulatory risk. We heard it last week with an analyst saying, hey, buy Netflix. It's our favorite stock because they have no regulatory risk. And they said, you know, we're not saying sell Amazon, but we're not saying that's our best idea. It's, it's now our, it was our best idea. So the elections are around the corner and it feels maybe this is forever more. Maybe this is a perma cycle, right? Maybe it's something we could benefit from in, in on years and take advantage of in off years. But regulatory risk and I think the consumer watchdog politicians are probably, you know, easily stand out as Bernie Sanders and um, Elizabeth Warren. So if you think they're going to be making some noise in the elections, maybe you hide from the regulatory names. I don't know. It's up to you. Powerball's jackpot surges to $550 million. You still won't win. Should be the, the finish of that, right? One of the questions I, I, I'm throwing out there is like, what's next? Uh, keep an eye on esports. It's one of the trends that we keep talking about. Obviously, we talk about demographic trends with uh, millennials and their shopping patterns and their buying home patterns. They're making kids patterns. But last night, I was watching The Simpsons and eSports was a big thing. I didn't wasn't paying that much attention. But Bart got on a, a what looks like a League of Legends uh, battlefield. He had a coach. His father learned, Homer, his father, listen to me, learned that you can win money. Uh, it's kind of getting into the zeitgeist. So when you get a company like Fox and um, The Simpsons, when you kind of get it into that cultural phenom thing, um, it's, it's a good thing, right? When you're starting to treat it as football, soccer, basketball, when you're starting to get more representative real people, League of Legends, esports, um, I know an attorney from USC whose 
may have or may not have um, had parental favors. I don't know. It's all alleged. Um, but he's like a commissioner of an esports league now. And it's a thing. So he's off to South Korea all the time, um, traveling the world, you know, promoting big events. League of Legends will sell out Madison Square Garden. You're like, you forget that because you're only paying attention to fish. Or maybe like that Billy Joel. Uh, or maybe you're a basketball or hockey person. Madison Square Garden, great place to see a show. Anyhow, I'm digressing completely. And that's as I want to do. Another th- angle that I want to get into, I hit Facebook pretty good there. I hit esports ever so lightly. But Donald Trump, um, one of his things that he got off, a push off of this weekend was he doesn't trust driverless cars. He says that he sometimes imagines scenes in which the cars veer out of control. Now, that's, to me, kind of interesting because that's like, that's tense. That's intense, right? Um, he doesn't like the idea of automated cars. So when faced with, hey, Mr. Trump, we can have this huge industry, he may not be that interested in saying it's part of his agenda. That's where you kind of get into that whole presidential thing of how it ties into Wall Street. So Trump, very much so, is campaigning at this point in time and interesting to see how it bleeds into politics for me so um one source said that he's the president is an automated car skeptic and he calls the technology crazy i see and i i love the idea i don't personally know anyone who died in a car crash with a drunk driver i i I don't think i do I, i think i know a lot of secondhand thirdhand kind of things um with that said, it wouldn't surprise me if I did, right? So I, I like the idea of self-driving cars. I like the idea of taking people off the road who shouldn't be drivers, uh, myself included sometimes, the elderly. I'm not calling myself elderly, but yes, I'm calling myself elderly. Lyft's um, valuation is starting to be pushed around, just so you know. We're going to talk about this IPO on the show in the coming days and weeks, no doubt, because Lyft is seeking a valuation of about $23 billion dollars. <clears throat> And the way they're trying to differentiate themselves from Uber's is interesting. You know, <clears throat> Uber's founder had to be forced out of the company because he kind of had too much of a, a male hormone-dominated company. <clears throat> so Lyft, their original you know investors are, are still there. They're the original founders. That's an interesting way to differentiate yourself, right? They're saying Uber does too much with food and all these other side projects. We're just left. We're just all about the consumer. It's going to be a fun IPO because a lot of wealth to be created, and you're going to see a lot of things happen on Wall Street when the IPO market starts drawing investor money. Where does it come out of? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Big seminar coming up. Thursday this week, the 21st, in Burlingame at the Hilton. You can find out more by going to robblackshow.com and use the code RADIO25 to get in for free. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and your money weekday morning, 7 to 9 on AM 1220, KDOW. Stock market action, how to pull out right accounts, good product, bad product, social security, and much, much more. Come to the Doubletree by Hilton Hotel in Burlingame. Learn more by going to newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Use code radio25. If you've never been to an event, get in for free. Mr. Burton, let's talk about the seminar coming up this weekend. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, The seasons are transitioning, so that's how I am. <laughs> that makes no sense. Online calculators. <laughs> 
do-it-yourselfers love stuff like online calculators. Um, what do you think of using online calculators when it comes to retirement issues? Oh, yeah, there's several issues um, with the online calculators. A lot of them, okay. you know, they're fine if you're 20, 30, 40, trying to say, okay, if I save 10% or 15 or 20% of pay, how much will I have, say, at 65 but to use an online calculator to say, yeah, I'm ready to retire. Let's let's go for it. Let's let's put in the notice and let's leave our jobs and then live off of this asset for the next 35, 40 years. It's just not a good idea. I've never seen one that can cover all the bases, which is most of them are kind of a do a, a linear, you know, one rate of return projection on all of your assets. There's no testing at all. There's no tax testing. People that retire with a lot of money in a 401k or IRA that hasn't been taxed, that's an issue. There's no shock testing. You know, how do you get through a 2000, 2001, 2002, or 2008 and 2009 port shock when the market has a big decline and, and in order of returns? Um, and no healthcare scenarios either, Rob, in terms of what happens for a while. Yeah, and healthcare is obviously a big one for us to always be focusing on because those bills sometimes come unexpected. Um, at times, and uh, the costs are also kind of crazy high. Um, let's talk with shock uh, testing portfolios and, and what do we need to know with, with shock testing? Yeah, it, it's really important because you can't time the market, but what you do during market corrections is lasting in retirement. So, in other words, if you go through a market, a significant market decline, or even just a correction like we had from September through Christmas Eve of 2018, where the market was down nearly 20%, if you would have panicked out and sold, or you had to sell to put food on the table, you're, you're never going to recover. It's just it's gone. So what you have to do is say, what is the plan when there is a market correction? What do I get through? Where, you know, we've been through two I'm having problems with your phone, so let's try to disconnect and maybe reconnect later. That's CFP Chad Burton. He's going to be coming up to the new event on Thursday the 21st at Doubletree by Hilton Hotel. It's in Burlingame. You can learn more by going to newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And use the code RADIO25 to get into that event for free. It's this Thursday, 630 to 830 in Burlingame. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I've started, I, my paperwork is, is silly at times, um, but I've started taking a look at my own Social Security on paperwork and going, oh, it's funny to go back all the years. Uh, one of my favorite things, CFP, Chad Burton, you're back, is looking at my Social Security statements, and they, they tell me how much I've made every year of my life. Like, every single year, back when I was 15, I made like, you know, $1,600 or something like that, scooping ice cream. So pretty funny stuff looking at your Social Security. How are you? Doing well, thanks. So uh, let's talk a little bit about your shock testing a portfolio, or, or is that what it, yeah. is that like it sounds, like just getting ready for the worst? Yeah, I mean, it really is. You can actually, there's, there's a couple different software programs that advisors can use now to run different scenarios where if, you know, the S&P 500 corrects 20%, what happens to your portfolio? What does that look like for your holdings? Um, are you down 10? Are you down 8? Are you down just as much? And then if you are going to go through a market correction, which you will, they're totally healthy, they're normal, they're part of the game, they usually recover pretty quickly, what are you going to live off of when that happens? And none of these online calculators can 
can tell you that. They can't show you that. They can't even project it. So that's where the idea of three years where the portfolio draws and cash always comes from. Way back when you know you and I started together, I was already talking about these things, and we've gone through the you know tech correction, we get through the credit crisis together, and it works. You just have to have enough cash to live off of and, and have income to feed that cash. And we talk about that at the event, but it, it's something that is proactive. You can't do an online calculator and make sure that you're ready for retirement with an online calculator, and it'll tell you how to get through market corrections. Um, it'll tell you maybe you have enough if you've put the right data in. But it's not going to run these different scenarios. Yeah, and again, I always feel it's random. If you were to ask me, Rob, how much are you going to pay in taxes next year? I'd be like, I ballpark it for you. But I always feel like it's too much of a ballpark. And sometimes things uh, don't turn out the way you want them to. Speaking of tax time, that's something you're going to be talking about as well at the event. What do we need to know heading into making sure we're ready for the, the tax terrors that are out there? Yeah, if, if you notice, too, and, and if anybody's toyed around with online calculators for retirement planning, it, they don't get down to the nitty-gritty and say, okay, how much do you have in IRAs or 401Ks or Roths or how much do you have in your brokerage account? And by the way, what is the cost basis? How much did you pay for those mutual funds or stocks? You're only going to pay taxes on the gains at a different rate. So they don't get down into the details of you and your portfolio. Um, so a person that retires with $2 million in a 401k is much different than a person that retires with a million in a 401k, 500000 in a Roth, some brokerage accounts, and some cash, right? That person's going to pay a much lower tax rate. So you have to go through the idea of designing your income plan. You've got to look forward and say, okay, at 70 and a half, I have to start taking required minimum distributions. You have to program those into your plan and because you're paying taxes on those required minimum distributions from your retirement accounts. And then you've got to consider things like Roth conversions, especially from the date that you retire to, through age 69. That's a really golden opportunity to get some money out of your IRAs and into a Roth where it grows tax-free. And all of that has to be done and tested as part of a good retirement plan. Now, one final question. You're going to be speaking at the event. You're going to be basically running the whole event Thursday evening in Burlingame. People can find out more information by going to newfocusfinancial.com. Um, Let's talk about healthcare because, again, my dad actually did my mom a favor. He basically worked till the day he died, and then he died. He died kind of quick and kind of clean and didn't need a lot of extra costs. If that makes any sense that financially it was clean, let's talk about sometimes these healthcare scenarios aren't so clean. Yeah, it's crazy that you said that because I was just reading um, the headline of an article before I jumped on air with you that was baby boomers are great at preparing for death but horrible at preparing for long-term care scenarios. So a lot of baby boomers, you know, they've got, you know, what's going to happen. They've got their estate planning docs, their their trust, their health care directive, their power of attorney. But if one of them goes into a nursing home, they have no plan. Um, they don't know where they're going to go, how they're going to deal with it, how they're going to spend the money, um, and what's going to happen to the survivor after one person goes into a nursing home for three or four years and then dies. And they're spending, you know, eighty to one hundred and twenty grand a year in the Bay Area. So you have to run those scenarios, and you have to have a family plan. This is this is what we're going to do. We're going to pay for it with IRAs. We're going to pay for it with equity in the house. We're going to sell the house. We're going to move into assisted living. What is that plan? And uh, that's not something again you're going to get out of an online calculator. That's that's through several planning meetings. The importance of planning. The importance of getting educated. People will get educated. 
by listening to you tomorrow morning right here on AM 1220 KDIW, 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock. Um, Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, and also Friday. Sometimes you and I shake it up on Thursdays and Mondays as well, but that's the morning show from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. It's drive time. It's filthy educational, but also a big event coming up this Thursday, and thanks for joining us, Chad. You can meet him Thursday evening in Burlingame. We're going to be talking about income. We're going to be talking about retirement issues, wealth issues, a couple other things, obviously. Um, There's a detailed agenda that's online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And use the code RADIO25 when you're signing up and get in for free if you haven't been to an event. It's always good to see you. I wouldn't want to be you. Anyhow, and anyway, um, one of the big areas that I was trying to get into, because I, I get this question a lot, is when should I take Social Security? I'm seeing a lot of young people ask the question, you know, uh, will it even be around for me? Well, we see the government debt issues, and at some point in time it gets tackled, but... It'll be around in some form is the thought. So funny, because if you were to make a deal, if the government doesn't take Social Security from your paycheck and you were to put, and they were to say, okay, but you don't get Social Security, would you take it? I would have in a heartbeat. Now I'm like, I'm on the latter side of that. I was like, no, it's safety. But earlier on, I would have taken it and probably blown it, but hopefully not. But probably, right? Anyway, um, Social Security is one of those things that the longer you wait to take it, the better it is for you if you live a long life. Social Security is one of those things that if you're unhealthy, you hitting the doctor all the time, and your parents both kicked over at 60 years old, then you take Social Security as soon as you can. That's not the easiest. I mean, that's not the total summary of it, but it's pretty common sense, right? Kind of pulling the Ben Franklin of common sense on you investing. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Um, big event coming up this Thursday in Burlingame. You can learn more by going to Rob Black Show and use the code RADIO25 when you're there. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. We're about to hit some uh, pretty exciting IPOs for the year. We might get Airbnb this year, but Lyft is coming, and that'll send out a cavalcade of other followers like Uber. Uh, I'm trying to get their market caps as high as possible. Lyft is looking for a $23 billion market cap. It's going to create a lot of Bay Area millionaires. It's a funny thought, right? The company wants to raise as much as $2 billion from its roadshow of people saying, hey, we're telling you our story, now you give us your money. Let's get some you know, investor enthusiasm going here. Shares are expected to be between $62 and $68. Who knows? The first trade could be at 100 How much demand will there be? Ticker symbol, of course, will be Lyft. I never quite understood that pink mustache thing. If anyone knows, I don't really want to know. Don't put it in my head. But um, we're getting more and more information out of Lyft and what they think of their competitors and how they're trying to pitch themselves. Um, I enjoy the SEC filings of publicly traded companies. Um, I, I do kind of want to see, you know, are these companies just throwing money into autonomous cars? Is it ever going to happen? Is it more about partnerships? What are their legal liabilities if their driver you know, rapes or kills someone? I enjoy being that detective and like finding information out on that. Um, it's interesting to note that even some of the dumbest stuff that you learn of when a company comes public, it's, um, it's pretty stupid. For instance, they had an S filing, uh, Lyft just did, and they said, we got a big boost from the Delete Uber campaign. 
which surged across social media amid Uber struggles under its founder and former CEO. That's an interesting like little fact, right? Hey, there was some negative press, and we were able to take advantage of it. It's honest, and it's kind of what you want from a company when they're coming public, because it's an initial public offering. Public, public, public. That's you. You have to have your, you know, faith has to be founded in the company. They have to tell the truth, good times and bad times, and even odd little facts like, hey, we were able to take, you know, a significant advantage. To me, and I I don't even know if this is right or wrong, to me... Um, Uber's always felt like the New York Yankees. Like you have to love to, you have to love them, but you also have to hate them. You almost root for them to lose. And to me, Lyft has always felt like the Cubs. Like ah, it's a good day game in Chicago. Let's go get some pizza and beer and watch a ball game. And the Cubs will lose because they've never won a World Like I don't know. There was a little of that at PR going on in my mind, or at least marketing. Lyft says their market share has risen from thirty five percent to thirty nine percent. And now we're talking. Now we're getting to the nitty gritty of where they're at. There's a lot of, when you read about Lyft and their risks, there's a lot of regulatory pushback. Isn't it insane to think that Lyft and Uber basically came in? And I'm not going to say overnight wrecked the cab industry, but it forever changed the cab industry if it didn't wreck the cab industry. When was the last time I was in a cab cab? I came in like a wrecking ball. You know, no, I, I haven't been in a cab cab in a long time. Um, so, but that's part of the regulatory issues too, right? And the legal challenges and the automated driving. And it, it, it's good to see an IPO and, and say, okay, I'm going to read everything I can about it. I want you to do that. I, I'm, I'm enthused by the job I have. I want you to be too. Now, here's the thing on IPOs. You can learn a lot. You can learn about a lot of new technologies, a lot of new um, trends. But one of the areas that I want you to focus in on is that when a company comes public, the founder gets a big check. He's selling part of the company. The secretary who was with him for five, ten years as they were slaving gets her stock. Everyone is cashing out. So IPOs are uh, basically saying to the, you know, the wedding audience, you know, here's the good-looking husband, here's the good-looking bride. They no longer have to work out. They got each other. So you're going to see a lot of people cash out on IPOs. And a great example is um, Facebook. When they came public, I want to say they came public at maybe at 40 and they went straight to 48. And then they dropped down to 20 over the next coming days. That's when people were selling shares inside the company. In the first nine months, you have that lockup period that start to open up. You have the... Everyone who's ever touched the company has made money, and they're all cashing out on some level. And you can't blame them. It's, it's, you feel bad for the people who stay too long at a, a casino table. They don't cash out when they're up. And you're like, oh, only if you would put some money in your pocket. So if you're an, a venture capitalist, and you're giving companies money, and you want a road to cashing out. So that's one of the negatives, potentially, on Lyft in the coming days and months is there's going to be a lot of excitement. It's a story that they're paying people to tell for them. They're giving them shares of a, a company at you know, pre-public prices. So you have to know that right now, they can say all they want about autonomous cars, and how great they're going to be and everything along those lines, but you're not going to hear a lot of the negatives. You're going to hear a good story. Wall Street has to sell the story. If they want Lyft to get an IPO valuation of $13 billion or $36 billion. If they want that, they're going to have to work for it, right? So it's going to be valued roughly about $23 billion now. They're out hustling. 
So it's a lot of good news right now. They're not going to tell you the bad news when you're hustling, right? It's like when you first fall in love. Oh, I'm perfect. I'm at the gym every day. Drinking is the, is the part that you don't you know include. Anyhow, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, more. Big event coming up in Burlingame on the 21st Thursday this week. You can learn more by going to robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com this Thursday in Burlingame. Sign up using code radio 25. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.